If you'll open your Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter number 31, I want us to think together tonight about one of the names of God that we're probably not as familiar with as we are some of his other names. We have studied Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, and tonight we come to study, again, one of God's most least known names, and it is Jehovah Mekadesh which literally means the Lord, our sanctifier, or the Lord who sanctifies. Now, in Exodus chapter 31, look with me beginning in verse number 12. Because God is speaking to Moses, and it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That word sanctifies literally means to set apart. And so God is in the business of sanctification. We think about God being in the business of salvation, and He is. And we saw some saved here today. But after we receive Christ as Savior, after we're born again, God begins a process in our lives called sanctification, whereby He sets us apart for Him and for His service. It's one of His names, and it's one of the things that God does. Now, turn, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, and in chapter number 20, I want to show you this same idea again. In fact, this same name again. Leviticus chapter number 20, and in verse number 8, and God again is speaking, and He says, you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Mekadesh, I am a sanctifying God. And so God is setting apart those things in our lives that He wants for Himself. Now, as you think about sanctification, and what does that mean? When we say God sets us apart, I think the simple way to think about this is that God does not want His children to be weird, but He does want us to be different. He does want there to be something in our lives that is different from the lives of other people. And so tonight, what I want to do is mention five things that we need to ourselves set apart and dedicate to God. That's kind of what sanctification is. It's dedication. And it's interesting, as I've thought about this, when we think about God's name, I am the Lord who sanctifies you, or literally, I am the Lord who is sanctifying you. It is a process. Salvation is an event. It happens in a, in a moment in time. Sanctification is a process that happens all throughout our lives. But as we look at these areas tonight that need to be set apart to the Lord, again, God is the sanctifier, but there is a sense in which we have a responsibility that we are to participate with God in this process of sanctification, and we set things aside to God. He works in that, and that part of our life becomes especially blessed and especially holy for Him. So if you're taking notes tonight or if you wanted to jot down some things, what I, hope, I hope you have your Bible because this is going to be more of a, of a Bible study tonight. And I want to mention five things that need to be sanctified to God and then I want us to look up the Scripture verses for each one of these. The first thing that we need to dedicate to God is ourselves, our own souls, and our own lives. Now, go to the book of Jeremiah and chapter number 1. This might be a familiar verse to you, but I want to give you a moment to find it. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and in verse number 5. 
God is speaking to the prophet, and God is, we would say, calling him into the ministry. God is telling Jeremiah exactly what he wants him to do with his life. But as God describes this call that he's placed on his life, I want you to notice, we'll begin reading in verse number four, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, or I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so God is saying to Jeremiah, you need to understand, before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I had a plan for your life. I had something very specific that I wanted you to do. I think a lot of people have the idea in life that they're supposed to just figure out what it is they're going to do. Well, that's just backwards of what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that God figured out what we were supposed to do before we were ever born. And what we're supposed to discover is what God already figured out, what God's already decided for. And so he says to the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And so in the mind of God, before you were born, God had set you apart for something very special in your life, maybe to be... uh, Well, who knows what God might have had planned for you before you were born. But nonetheless, it was something very special, and he set you apart for that. And so there has to come a point in all of our lives where we participate with God in this setting apart process and where we say to God, God, I surrender my life to you. God, I I, I dedicate my life to you. And God, it doesn't really matter what what you want me to do. I'm willing to do that. I'm will- it's kind of like with God. You just uh, give him a blank check and sign your name and turn it over to him. Or as Bill Bright, the uh, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ years ago, used to say that he wrote out a covenant before God and he signed his name at the bottom and he said, God, anywhere you want me to go, anything you want me to do, I'll be willing to do it. So I think, I think when we think about this type of, saint, of setting apart, we're thinking about preachers, missionaries, and that's certainly included in this, but that's not, uh, that category is not all that is involved. God has called all of us to do something very special, and so part of our responsibility is to discover God's will for our life. And so I would ask you tonight, to the best of your knowledge, are you in God's will? Have you set yourself apart to God and said, God, I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want me to do? So the first thing that we sanctify is ourselves. The second thing, or at least I'm not sure the order is significant from this point on, but one of the other things that God wants us to uh, set apart for him is our schedules. That is how we spend our time. We all have the same number of days in a week, and we all have the same number of hours in a day, but God wants us to dedicate our work to the Lord. Now go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis, and find chapter number two, because I want us to see a verse here where God is talking about the importance of us surrendering to him a one day out of seven that is completely and fully devoted to him. And this is after God had created the world, and he did that, of course, on six days. And in Genesis chapter 2 and in verse number 3, the Bible says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And so God worked for six days, but on the seventh day, that would be Saturday, he sanctified it, he set it apart, and he said, now on this day, you do what I did. You rest. 
Don't work on, on this day, not on the Sabbath day. Now, for those of us who are Christians, we're living on this side of the cross. Our holy day has moved from Saturday to Sunday. And we see this in the book of Acts when those early Christians changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. And they called it the Lord's Day. And they did that because it was on Sunday that Jesus came up out of that grave. And so that became the day of worship. But nonetheless, what God is saying is, He has made us in such a way that we function best mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally if we set aside one day just for Him and we dedicate that and consecrate that to Him. What God is saying with our schedules is the same thing that God is saying with money. God is saying with our money, if you give me 10% of everything I give you, you'll be better off with 90% of the money and my blessings on it than you would be with 100% of the money and doing it on your own. God's saying the same thing when it comes to our schedule. God's saying you'll be healthier, you'll be more productive, your life will be richer, and you'll be a better witness for me if you'll take one day and set it apart for me, consecrate that day, sanctify that day, call it the Lord's day. And so this is something that God has set apart. Now, go back to Leviticus, if you would, in chapter 27, because this is something that is interesting to me anyway, as we think about what it is we're supposed to dedicate to God, or what what do we consecrate to God? Well, in this verse, we read that we are to consecrate, to dedicate our houses to God. Whether you live in a house or an apartment or wherever you might be living, wherever you're going to sleep tonight, you need to dedicate that place to God if you've not done that already. In Leviticus 27 and verse 14, the Bible says, And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. And so that's giving some specific things they did back in that day that related to the priest. But for our purposes, we're reading here about someone dedicating their house to God. And so this is something very important, and probably most of you have done that, but if you never have, I would encourage you to get your family together sometime this week and find a good scripture passage. For example, you could use Psalm 127, which says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it, and dedicate that house to God. And pray that God would protect that house. Pray that that house would be holy to the Lord. Pray that that house would would, uh, always be a place of peace. And just pray whatever's on your heart. But if God has given us a home to live in or an apartment to live in, wherever we live, we should dedicate that to God. Because when we do, it is set apart for His purposes. And it is especially blessed in the sight of God. And then something else that we should dedicate Because God sanctifies these things, but again, we have a responsibility here, and that is we should dedicate our possessions to God, the things that we have. And if you'll turn to Joshua chapter number 6, I want us to see something very interesting here. In, in, In this chapter, we read how the children of Israel had marched around Jericho for seven days, a total of 13 times around Jericho. And God had told them to do that. He was going to give them the city. And God gave them the city, and when they shouted on that seventh day, the walls came tumbling down. And when they went in the city, and there are all these things that they are taking possession of, God begins to give some specific instructions as to what they're supposed to do with all these things. I mean, there was a sense in which everything they took possession of belonged to them, because they took possession of it. 
But there was another sense in which it belonged to God. And so in, in Joshua chapter 6 in verse 19, notice what God says. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so God said, these things that you are possessing, the silver and the gold and the bronze and the iron, and he designated which ones he was referring to, they are to be set apart to the Lord. Now, the application for us today from this passage, at least one of the applications would be that everything we have is from God. If you believe that, say amen. I mean, we don't have anything that God didn't give us. And so it goes beyond just our house. We have to start thinking about all the other things that God has given to us, and we dedicate that to God. You know, one of the things that I think maybe we're not so quick to dedicate to God, it's not that we're not appreciative, it's just we don't think about it. But that is the car we drive, or the cars that you have in your family. And I would encourage you, whether you have a new car or an old car, to dedicate that car to God. I can remember when I first got the car that I drive now, I dedicated that to God. And I, I don't know how I started this practice, but years ago, I, I just would dedicate my car to God. And something I try to remember to do every year, when you go get your car inspected, and then you take your inspection, and you get your registration, and you peel the old sticker off, and you put your new sticker on, and... Um, Mine always renews in June, and it seems like it's the hottest time of year. I wish one time it would renew like in October, so when you're out there scraping that, it wouldn't be so hot. But I'm there in my driveway doing all that, getting a, sweating and so on, taking the old one off, putting the new one on. And when I finish that, you know, one of the things I do, I say, God, in these last 12 months, you have kept me safe in my car, and I thank you for that. And God, for the next 12 months, I just pray you'll do it again. And I just have a prayer blessing over my car, over my tires, over the battery, over the brakes, over the engine, over, I mean, everything. I just pray, I pray for the other drivers on the road. I pray for the weather I'll be in. I just always pray. And every time I get a new set of tires, every few years I put a new set of tires on my car. And I'll say the same thing. I say, God, this, since I got those old tires, you kept me safe. Now, God, I've got new tires. And I want to thank you for that. And I just pray you'll keep me safe out there. You say, John, do you think that makes any difference to dedicate your car to God? Who would live in Harris County without dedicating their car to God? <laughs> I told you this morning how on uh, the 4th of July that evening, my dad called me at about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And he said, hey, man, something's not right with your mom. He said, can you come over here? And so I did. And it was a strange, you know how God leads you? I was home that night and I had just finished dinner. And I, was, I had washed a load of dishes earlier that day. And so I was going to put those dishes in the dishwasher that night. And something, and I know now it was God, in my spirit said, put the dishes up later. Go to your parents' house. And so I put the dish, I, had, I cleaned it off and put it in the sink, which I hate to just leave something sitting in the sink, but I just did. And I started walking out the door. And about that time, my phone rang. And it was my dad telling me, hey, can you come over here? And it was God leading me. And so I went over to their house, and she, as I mentioned this morning, and I won't re-go through that, but she was having a little blood pressure problem and a couple other little things. And I said to her when I got there, I said, look, we're not doctors, and uh, I think we ought to just maybe ride down to the emergency room at MD Anderson and let them check you out. And she agreed, and my dad agreed. And so we got in my car, and I was driving, and she's sitting in the front with me, and dad's in the back. And we're just driving, and we got on the 610 loop. Now, this was about 830 on the 4th of July night when half the people driving out there are under the influence. 
In fact, when we found out my mom was okay, I said, Mom, could you please save the drama and not do this on a holiday night? But we were driving down and uh, right there on 610, and I was in the center lane, and I noticed out of my peripheral vision, there was a little gray sports car next to us, and he just started coming right over into our lane. And, it, you know, it, something like that happens fast. And, and I, when I saw that happening, I thought, well, this isn't good. And I just thought, well, he's going to hit us. And so just naturally, I kind of came over into somebody else's lane. And there was somebody in that lane. And let me just say this. That man who was in that lane was not happy with me for coming over into his lane. And he gave me some sign language that I hadn't seen in a long time. I thought he didn't have his quiet time this morning, I don't think. Because that, but this fella came over on me. I just gradually came over on him. And how it happened, I don't know. But by the grace of God, nobody hit anybody. And after that whole thing happened, this fella over here, after it had all smoothed back out, uh, this fella starts chasing us down and making all these threats and, and things and and, and doing all these things that he's doing. And uh, I thought, Mr., I'm taking my mother to the hospital. This is not going to be a good night for you to do anything. But then I thought he might have a gun, so I just smiled at him <laughs> and went on. Didn't even, didn't even really look at him, but I could tell he was re- probably under the influence, probably more than alcohol. I think he was, because what he was holding, you don't drink it, you smoke it. <laughs> and I thought, man, this isn't. But my point of that story is there's no explanation in the world for us not getting in an accident that night but the protection of God and his angels out there on that car and I say that to you tonight to say maybe you've already dedicated your car to God now that doesn't mean you'll never have an accident just like if you pray for your health that doesn't mean you'll never get sick or you pray for your business doesn't mean you'll ever have a problem doesn't mean that but it does mean this when God gives you something and you dedicate that to the Lord God blesses that in a very special way. And it was a strange thing the other night because not only did we not get in an accident, it was one of those times in life. You know, when you get, when you get in something like that, it's kind of like you, normally you would get uptight and tense and nervous and, and, and uh, might even get angry. And you know what we were going through the other night? No tension, no anger, no nervousness. Just, it was just almost kind of like I was in a little dream. And just in a, what I was in was a protective bubble by God. And I give him credit and praise and glory for that tonight. And I would say to you tonight, dedicate your possessions to God. Your house, certainly, but also that car you drive. Pray a blessing over it. Plead the blood around that car. And I'll tell you, God will bless that and God will honor that. And then the one other thing that I would encourage you to dedicate, to consecrate, to surrender to God... And that would be your days, your days. Every day, you should commit that day to God. The Scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so I would encourage you at the beginning of each day, whether you do it before you leave, I would encourage you to do it before you leave the house. Whether you pray that little morning prayer that we made available or whether you pray your own prayer or whether you pray a different prayer every day. I would encourage you, don't ever leave your house without dedicating not only your safety, certainly we dedicate our safety, but also to dedicate your day to God. You know, a day is a gift from God. 
And we're never going to get this, like today, July the 7th, 2019, we're never going to get this day again. Tomorrow we get another day, hopefully, July the 8th. But after tomorrow's over, we'll never get that day again. And so I would encourage you at the beginning of a day to just dedicate that day to God and to just say, God, this is the day that you have made. And I don't, hey, folks, I don't hold myself up as an example of anything. For those of you who are members, you know that. If you're visiting tonight, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's all in the world I am. But I'll tell you this. I'd be scared, not only physically, but maybe scared is not the right word. I would be concerned if I ever got in such a hurry in the morning that I just rushed out of my house without dedicating that day to God. And you know, I don't guess I've ever told anybody this. It's not that big a deal. But several years ago, I started a practice, and I do it every day. I go to a window in my room that looks out into the street where I live, right before I leave my house. And I'll say, now, God, as I'm beginning this day, I ask you, and I ask God to do three things before I leave my house. I say, God, I'm asking you today to go before me and make the crooked places straight. I'm asking you, God, to come beside me as my companion, my guide, and as my friend. And I'm asking you to come along behind me, watch over me, and protect me, and keep me safe. And what that does for me, when I leave my house, at least I have confidence that I have dedicated this day to God. And that certainly doesn't mean that when we go through the day, we're not going to have any problems. But it means this. It means that we have dedicated that day to God. And so tonight, as we think about God being a sanctifying God, you know, when I was originally starting this sermon uh, two weeks ago, I was going to preach tonight on the subject of sin because that's the main thing that God wants to, that's the main idea behind sanctification, that God wants to set us apart to be holy and godly. And and I didn't really talk so much about sin tonight. I, I would say to you tonight, Uh, as best as you can, stay away from temptation and stay away from sin. One of the pastors I admire most, he's in heaven now, but when he was a young man, he used to have a little plaque on his desk, and it said, he who doesn't want to fall ought to stay away from slippery places. And that's a tremendous quote. And so as it relates to sin, I would encourage you, try to stay away from slippery places. But I would also encourage you to remember this, and I love it where it says it in the Psalms. I think it's in Psalm 139 that says, God knows our frame, and he remembers that we're dust. And the psalmist also said, if God held our sins against us, who could stand? Aren't we thankful tonight that even though we try to stay away from slippery places, even though we try not to sin, aren't we thankful tonight that even when we sin, God is always there to forgive us, pick us up, and put us back on the path again. So sanctification, I couldn't preach a whole sermon tonight on sanctification without at least mentioning sin. The original outline I was going to use tonight in relation to sin, God convicts us of sin, God cleanses us from our sin, and God conforms us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's that's the heart of sanctification. You see, if you are becoming more and more like Jesus, you're not going to have any problem surrendering yourself, your schedule, your house, your possession, your days to the Lord. That's it. See, at the heart of what God is wanting to do in our lives 
is to make us like Jesus. We all quote Romans 8, 28, and it is a foundational verse for Christian living. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's a tremendous verse. I don't know where I would be without Romans 8, 28, but I wouldn't be where I am tonight. I, I, would, have had, I would have just given up a long time ago. But I believe that verse, that God causes everything we go through to work together for good. But you know, we all often forget verse 29, because verse 29 tells us what the good is. And here's what 29 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes a person will lose a job and we'll quote Romans 8, 28. And I think we give that person the idea that the good that God's going to bring out of this is a better job. Well, it may be, but that's a secondary good. The primary good that God would want to bring out of that is that we would become more like Jesus. And so I would encourage you in your life to cooperate with God in the process of sanctification. Thank him that you're saved. But say God. I don't want to just be saved. I want to progressively. Becoming, to become more like Jesus Christ. And God has a lot of ways to do that. He, he does it. One of the ways God does that. Is through the circumstances we face in life. And through the challenges we face. And he helps us to become more and more like Jesus. I can, I can remember this, and I'm going to stop. I went a couple of minutes over tonight, but I want to share this part tonight. On May the 2nd, I was home that morning, and I was having my devotional. That was a Thursday, and I was coming to church to speak to our teenagers to give them a devotional, and I was reading in my, in my Charles Stanley devotional book uh, on May the 2nd, and there was a little sentence in the devotional that said, the storm you are now facing was designed to increase your faith in Jesus Christ. That's a tremendous sentence, and I've got it underlined in my book. The storm you're now facing is designed to increase your faith in Jesus Christ. When I read that that morning, here's a thought that ran through my mind. I thought, that's a tremendous truth. I thought, well, you know, thankfully... At this time in my life, I'm not going through a storm. And I really wasn't. I didn't have any problem in the world that day. And about six hours later was when I found out what my mother was going through. And before that day was over, my mind went back to that. And I thought, isn't God good? Before we even know we're in a storm, God says there's a purpose for it. And at least from my, in, in my part of it in, as one of the family members... God was saying to me, through this storm, I'm going to increase your faith in me. And I guess tonight I'm kind of going around town. But I want to say this to you tonight. We have a good God. Amen. And not only has he saved us, but he is committed to making us more like Jesus if we will cooperate with him. And so this naturally and easily leads into our prayer time tonight. And I would just say to you, ask you tonight, is there anything in your life that you've not dedicated to God. I haven't even mentioned like problems and children and grandchildren and your future, your finances or your health. I didn't talk about any of that. Maybe tonight that's what's on your heart. But during this prayer time tonight, let's just let God lead us. And we're going to have about eight minutes of silent prayer tonight. 
And so let's go ahead and bow our heads tonight. Ask yourself, ask God, God, is there anything in my life that I have not dedicated to you, consecrated to you? And God, if so, tonight I want to dedicate that. I want to give that to you. Set that apart so that you could bless it and make it holy. So that you could gain honor out of this part of my life.